Hello and welcome to Money Life News and Briefs. I am Devashish Basu. Here are two sets of bare facts. One, private mutual funds was permitted to be set up in 1993 and in the past 21 years until the end of 2014, their equity investment had gradually touched 2 lakh crore spread across pure equity funds, balanced funds and equity linked savings schemes. At the current rate of growth by March 2024, equity assets held by mutual funds are expected to touch an astounding 24 lakh crore that implies a stunning 12 times growth in the past decade, a compound annual growth rate of 28.2%. And this is the story of institutionalization or aggregation of Indian savings directed at the equity markets. Now, fact number two, compulsory dematerialization was introduced in 1996. Over the next 24 years, the numbers of DMAT accounts went up to 40 million. 24 years, 40 million. Then in just three and a half years, that figure jumped over 3.25 times to 130 million. This means that 90 million new investors or 2.5 times the total DMAT population developed over 24 years came in in just three years or so. This is the story of the other half, that is the direct entry of retail in, in, savings into the equity market as opposed to the first, which is the institutionalization of savings through mutual funds. Now, what do these two sets of facts imply? That decades worth of growth has happened in less than four years. Or to paraphrase Lenin, there are decades when nothing happens, and then there are weeks when decades happen. It shows the dominant players in the Indian markets have changed from foreign investors to local institutions and retail investors. This makes the Indian markets less susceptible to purely global factors that tend to influence foreign institutional investors. As evidence, during the entire period of US interest rate hikes, foreigners in line with their usual playbook sold Indian stocks or all emerging market stocks, but Indian markets continue to rise due to the influx of local money, the two sets of investors that I talked about. However, as our markets continue to scale new highs, a sense of gold rush has now taken over. At times like these, it pays to remember lessons from history when smart foreign investors were gripped by a similar sentiment. Since 1992, when foreign institutional investors were allowed to enter India, they have determined the fate of the Indian markets for a very long time, for decades together. From the late 1980s, the key objective of Indian companies was relentless resource raising to fund asset growth. The buzzwords then were diversification, public issues, term loans, and capital intensive projects because they needed a lot of capital, which they raised from banks and the market. For investors, the key investment criteria was asset growth and pedigree. Equity research was non-existent when the foreign institution investors came in in the early 90s. Few understood the terms return on capital employed, return on net worth or free cash flows. Insider trading and price rigging were rife because until the early 1990s, the main institutional investors were the public sector, that is Unit Trust of India, the insurance companies and some, to some extent, the development finance institutions like IDBI or ICICI. Now, the FIIs entered the Indian market in two ways. One by buying directly on the Indian Stock Exchange from the secondary market, which started with a trickle in 1993 and turned into a flood in 1994. 
Two, by subscribing to the overseas issues made by Indian companies, typically global depository receipts or to a little extent American depository receipts. So by 1994, emerging markets were in flavor and India was seen as a next Asian tiger. In that year, our gross domestic product growth hit a stunning 7.4%. A statutory market regulator was in place and a new nationwide exchange, electronic exchange had been set up. Business houses were dreaming big and capital providers were desperate to bankroll them. So in March 1994, when the market touched a new high, the Oppenheimer Fund easily raised $550 million, which is a huge amount at that time, the highest subscription, in fact, to an India-dedicated offshore fund. FIS was so dominant that the head of financial institution had told me then the reverence for FIS has now metamorphosed into a mixed feeling of fear and awe. If they sold, the stock tanked, and if they bought, it went to stratospheric highs. But in March 1994 turned out to be the market's highest point for the next five years, except for a brief, brief upsurge in September. Foreigners invested at the peak, much as you and I do. They made the same mistake in the dot-com boom of 1999-2000 again, and again before the global financial crisis of 2008. Now, I am not for a moment suggesting that the market is about to crash, or go on a long decline just because a lot of people are too bullish. Bullish, Indeed, I remain bullish because of a combination of two factors, massive government expenditure and the resilience of the Indian consumers. But then again, markets overshoot the fundamental thesis due to a set of behavioral factors that affect even the institutional investors. That's exactly the point, and the only point I'm trying to make, that even they succumb to what is the bane of all of us, which is greed, short-termism, relying on the greater fool theory, which is, you know, I will be able to send to somebody else at a higher price, the herd mentality and trying to be trendy, just go with the stuff that is very, very fashionable. In the immortal quote of Chuck Prince, former CEO of Citibank, when the music stops in terms of liquidity, things will be complicated, but as long as the music is playing, you got to get up and dance. And we are still dancing. This is what he said just before the global financial crisis. So in all investors, the biggest, the best globally across fall for these behavioral problems. You may be mistaken if you were to assume that Indian mutual funds are different from the global counterparts who burn their fingers thrice during the market excesses due to such behavior. Moreover, this time around, we have millions of newbie investors who are clueless about how to handle sudden and severe adverse market reactions which arrive from time to time without fail. We have a new market structure where Indian investors have become dominant either directly or through mutual funds, but will they act any differently from the foreign investors of the past who were dominant at that time? Time will tell. Thanks for watching and if you did like, please do subscribe and share. Thanks.